Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. We pray that Christ is at the beginning and end of all we do. May openness and peace mark our discussions. As we engage in conversations about the fresh move of God, may our hearts be drawn to unity. And in all things, may this shape us to look more like you, Jesus. Amen. Now, if you want to crack open a LaCroix or pour yourself a fresh cup of... What tea do you have right now, Jace? Uh, green tea coconut. <laughs> it smells really good. It smells like Hawaii. Then go ahead and pour that tea into your mug and enjoy the Deep Waters Podcast. We're doing it. Here we are. Welcome. The Deep Waters Podcast. <laughs> back at it again. Well, so glad to be back at it. It's just a joyful time. This is nice. Also, this is the first time we've recorded an episode since I went on vacation, just the two of us. Wow, yes, you're right. It's been a while. So that's kind of fun. Oh, I'm glad. I mean, we love all of our other guests, Mm -hmm. and they've been great. That's right. Um, I'm grateful for them all. And man, last week we got blessed by Corey Jones. Mm. What a wise man, honestly. What a gift. I literally can do nothing but honor him. He was just such a gift to our church, and I feel like we just got to see a new new side of the Holy Spirit and the move of God with him. But also, it fed so much into what we were talking about, too. Right. Wasn't it perfect? So good. Only God can time things that perfectly. It seems like he's really good at that at this point (laughs) in my life. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. He does that. (laughs) I've heard from a handful of people that listen to our podcast that they enjoy it because I feel like they just got to hang out with us for like an hour. Mm. (laughs) Which makes me really happy. That is fun. So I'm just thinking, wow, now we're just hanging out with a bunch of people. Totally. It's us and hey friends, you know, Nick and yeah. Brody and Joel and everyone else. Wow, Carolyn. Totally. Hi, friends. Hi. Thanks hey. for being with us. We're so glad you're here. <laughs> and everyone else that I didn't name. We actually have little uh, chairs with people's faces all around the table here. <laughs> so it just feels like a really nice party. <laughs> also slightly creepy. Also, we don't do that. So yeah, like, that I was a joke. Please. It was a joke. <laughs> it wasn't a good one. You know, all right. but you got to. Take the good with the bad. Sometimes. Yeah, that's right. If you don't dish out bad jokes, then the good jokes will never come. Yeah. Or they just have less of, um, less appeal. You know, oh it's like, wow, we needed that good joke because there's <laughs> been a lot of bad jokes. <laughs> Anywho. All right. So what do we want to talk about today, Jace? We're going to pull out of a hat a random topic. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, we are talking about. Ooh, we are. Um, <laughs> we're going to call this uh, practical priesthood or mm-hmm. priesthood in the wild. Or um, you, your family, and priesthood. I don't know. That was a the last one was not was good. good. See? Me, myself, and how I'm a priest. <laughs> yes, I don't know. Um, no, not, I I'm mean we've been talking a lot about a lot about worship, a lot about glory, and like that is absolutely what the Lord has been doing, and it's been so powerful. And I'm glad we've been able to talk about that. But also, I feel like we've been talking about the experience on Sunday a lot, mm-hmm. and I think we're I mean we're called the priests in our lives, our daily lives, 24 seven, not just for two hours on a Sunday. And so we're going to go into that. Yeah. Excellent. And it feels good. We weren't recording the deep waters podcast back when Jordan was really hammering. What does it mean that we are priests and what totally. is the priesthood? Um, so in a way, if you've been attending river house for a while, some of the stuff that we bring up today might feel a little bit like review. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's wonderful because I mean, it's also review if you've read the Bible since <laughs> us being priests as God's creation, as God's humans, 
totally made in his image, that's a thread that's sewn all the way through scripture over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so it only makes sense that we should return to it and think about what it means for our lives. Um, And in case you hear this and you're thinking, wait, I'm not a priest. I'm not even Catholic. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Wait, what is, wait, what are priests? Are those the dudes with like the black outfits and the white collar? Mm -hmm. Or are they the ones with the pointy hats? Oh, sure. Wearing red? Is that what I cardinals think, wear? Yeah, I think that's what cardinals wear. Cardinal red is what I imagine. Oh, good. I yeah. don't know. Like the bird. That's like maybe where bird. it comes from. Maybe? Well, I don't know. That's a guess. Yeah. That's where the priest comes from, the word bird. Oh, that's good. In Dutch. What just was kidding. That was... See, I'm now I'm like joking around too much. <laughs> like, just, I'm just going to confuse the you. listeners. It's like, well, I learned some Dutch today. No, 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 you didn't. You didn't. <laughs> Not from me. Um, All right. So let's dive into... Which is the very beginning. This is off the rails already. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. It's the green tea. It's okay. <laughs> it's the coconut flare. Yes. So um, the image of God is what we were created in. How about we start there? Yes. Early on in the Bible, <clears throat> aka page one, Genesis one, it says that um, male and female were created in God's image. Tselem is the Hebrew word. For God's image? Image. Oh, for image. Yeah, not God's image, just image. Tselem. Wow, Tselem. Isn't that kind of weird? Yeah. T-S. Or that's a letter in Hebrew. T- is a letter. Wow. It's kind of fun. That's really cool. Um, So Tselem is image. Around the ancient world, temples had images in them. They had Tselem in them. And they looked like little statues of the gods, you mm-hmm. know. So you would go to Athens and the Parthenon and there'd be this giant statue of Athena. Mm-hmm. And that was the Tselem of Athena. Wow. That's the image of her or Zeus's temple or whoever else. Yeah. Um, God was never about that. There were not Tselem statues that were built in wow. God's holy temple. Mm-hmm. Instead... In the Garden of Eden, what we see is that God creates a temple that he calls the Garden of Eden, and he puts his image in it, which is human. Mm. Um, That's the introduction of the identity of mankind, which I think uh, outside of our culture, for sure, because we don't really have pagans worshiping gods with little statues around us all that often no not often (laughs) almost never yeah um and yet that's the culture that the bible was written in so it's important i think to recognize that um it's cool that like god never i don't know required that or like wanted that like that from the beginning we were Mm. we were that representation of him that's good that feels especially with eastern religion very different and mm. outlierish. It's good. It's kind of like, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of things that separate Christianity from Eastern religions, but like, I don't know. I like that. Like that's that seems just really pure and that can't be like manipulative or you get distracted with just the upkeep of a Selim, you yeah. know, like you go to all these different, you know, South Asian countries, Southeast Asia. And it's like, there's just everything is about the temples and the deities and the so many shrines everywhere. And it's a weird vibe. That's fascinating. You say that as a person who's been there, I've never been to Southeast Asia. So oh, yeah. I don't even know. No, what, I mean like literally you'll be like, like hiking 
somewhere and there'll just be a random shrine to a certain God really or in the cities. Yeah. There's these beautiful, these like the nicest places in like Nepal were the temples, um, which I think is also like shows kind of the, how they miss some of what they're supposed like what we are supposed to care about as humans is like, there's like such object poverty right up to the temple fence. And then, like, the temple is, like, this, like, beautifully manicured, gold-laden thing. Whoa, And everyone, like, comes. And, like, it's just, like, it's sad. Yeah. They're, like, like the one thing isn't the one thing. Hmm. And when that we don't have that perspective, we don't, like, care. I don't think like, humans aren't as valued as much wow. in that society. I'm even feeling a little convicted because I see how that affects, like, the Christian world sometimes, too. Especially in cathedral culture. Yeah, yeah no, true. Me- medieval times, but mm-hmm. but also like, also they don't view themselves as the image of God, huh. or their neighbor as the image of God, right? And Whoa. like, there's like the God is separate and better among, above us, Whoa. and not like part of our DNA. Like, there's an inherent dignity in being human, regardless mm. of your race or language or color or background or socioeconomic status. I feel like that's what the Bible teaches. <laughs> yes and amen. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think there's a reason that, I, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast yet. It's one of my more favorite things to say, but Christianity is the most ethnically diverse religion in the history of humanity. Hmm. And I think part of it is that we recognize the image of God in all humans. Hmm. Wow. That's cool. And another thing that happened in the ancient world is there'd be this belief that, um, my racial group is the one that descended from the gods or my king is like a demigod, like half God, half human. Totally. Pharaoh was that way. Like Egypt believed that. Um, Babylon believed that so that other ethnic groups that weren't them were subhuman. Like what they were was like exalted because they were descended from the gods, but other people, they could justify slavery that way because they were less than. Um, it's like baked in racism into their, um, like an ethnocentrism is Mm -hmm. baked into their metaphysic, into their very worldview. But if you affirm that all humans are created with the Tselem of God, then holy cow, like, well, that was a bad bad Freudian slip. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Shoot, that's crazy. I almost want to edit that out, but we can't. No, oh, that's, that's I mean, yeah. it's just a saying, but that's very <laughs> funny. Wow. What are the odds? Uh, then, oh. uh, you know, mm-hmm. I think you're going to live your life differently. <laughs> Hopefully, if you really embody yeah. looking at someone, whether it's a homeless person, whether it's someone with a different political view as you, mm-hmm. as a, as even if it's someone who is totally not Christian and is totally the opposite of Christian, whatever that means to you, like they're still created in God's image and we're called to image God and Jesus. We're told in Colossians, I'm getting off the notes here, but is, is the, the perfect image of the invisible God. He has made that invisible God visible. So no one has ever imaged God as well as Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet we're still created in that image in a way. Uh, so what I can, we can talk about the nuances of that, but wow, no, that's good. I think that's the framework that sets up the priesthood. Good way to start for sure. 
<laughs> Sorry about that holy cow moment. Oh, I thought, man. From the image, like where, where's the bridge to priesthood? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do we become priests? Yeah. I think the, the way that the Tselem kind of works, the way that the image works is, oh, the rest of the world can look at that image and see something about God in that image. Um, so think about the world looking into an image. Oh, I'm looking at the Parthenon and I see something about Athena in that statue of her, the goddess of whatever, wisdom, mm -hmm. I forget. Um, N.T. Wright, one of my favorite theologians, mm -hmm. especially that's still with us. I love N.T. Wright. He says that the image of God is like an angled mirror. And what he means by that is, Think about a mirror that's at a 45 degree angle. If you look at it from ground level, you'll see the sky. And yeah. if you look at it from above, you'll see the ground. Um, AKA <laughs> on earth, when you look at that angled mirror, you see heaven, you see God mm -hmm. and God. When he looks down at that angled mirror, he sees his world. He sees his people. And we, as the image of God are called to be the angled mirror that reflects God to the world and in turn reflects the world back to God in intercession, mm -hmm. in representation, like an ambassador. That's why we get language like that in the New Testament, that we are ambassadors of heaven, that we are in this world, but not of this world. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of ways of talking about the same thing, but um, all of this, I think, fits under the banner of priesthood. Totally. Yeah. I think I can see the jump between that ideal of being his representative and that and like the, the Levitical call that's in Exodus. I feel like I can make that jump, but I think there's things that we can, there's a process for those people up into that point. Uh -huh. And so, I mean, in our notes, we start with like Adam and Eve Yes. to get there. Um, they were called to fill the earth, subdue it, to be caretakers and extend the boundaries of God's garden. Is that God's garden? We were supposed to extend the boundaries of God's garden. Is that actually in it, in the Bible? Oh, no. That's my paraphrase. Oh, I mean, I like that. But I was like, I I wasn't sure if like the garden of Eden could grow. Yeah. I never thought about that until right now. I'm off track a little bit, but. No, this is perfect. That's but, exactly where I wanted we're, to go. we're supposed to do that now. Mm -hmm. So that's a cool parallel. Isn't that a good picture? You know, mm -hmm. I, I had never heard this idea until listening to Tim Mackey talk about the Garden of Eden and specifically the priesthood. So um, get this, Genesis 2, God creates the world. Within the world, there's a region or a land called Eden, which means delight in Hebrew. And then within Eden, there is a garden. Okay. So the garden isn't called Eden. Hmm. There's a garden within a land called Eden that is the garden of this Eden. land called Eden. Okay. Um, so there's like these tiers to it. And uh, at least the way that Tim Mackey believes and has taught that this language works, fill the earth and subdue it is he's kind of saying like my image that you embody 
that is represented in the life of this garden that you live in. I want you to take it and cultivate the whole earth to be like a garden. Like, don't just stop right here. Like God didn't create and say, hey, this is the project. This is done. Instead, he's like creating and inviting humans to be co-creators and co-laborers within his creation project. And it looks like extending the boundaries of the garden so that that which is good and flourishing with life on the earth can fill all of the earth from where it currently stands in the garden. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's good. Um, We don't have anything that explicitly says that, but... I, think I can see how that plays out. That you way. can see how it plays out. Even just like fill the earth. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You'd mm-hmm. have to, yeah, we got to move outside the OG garden. Totally. Fill the earth. And it, and it makes sense that if your um, garden livers, like you're going to, you're going to go elsewhere and plant more trees. Yeah. And you know, yeah, you're going to just extend the boundaries. So I think that's an example of um, at least a metaphor of, God saying, hey, here are my humans. I'm planting them on earth. And they're going to take this beautiful communion space and spread it all around the globe. Mm -hmm. So right there, you already have this angled mirror concept that like what God is imparting into humans, humans are then to share with the world around them. So good. Isn't that fun? I love that. So this is pre-fall. This is like something that's baked into our identity as human Mm -hmm. beings. To co-create with God. Yeah. That's so good. I love, I love this idea of the garden and building with God. Cause I think even now it's cool to see like in nature, either how we've like, even without knowing it, like partnered with God and like bringing garden spaces around the world. Like mm. even like, I think of like parks and national parks and even like landscaping within a city is like, bringing that garden into like what we're doing now and like we can do it well and we can do it poorly and we can do it in a way that's sustainable. We can do it in a way that's not sustainable. That's a little bit of a tangent, but I just like, I think that's cool as believers. We can, I mean, this is a literal representation of garden and us co-creating all the way through history until now. But even in our practical day to day lives, it's like, there's, I don't know. There's something to like, there's a good way and a bad way to like bring the garden. I don't know. Mm. I kind of lost the train. No, it's there. good. I'm even thinking about how th- I, there's, I don't know the stats or whatever, but there's psychology behind when you're working in an office space, you tend to be more at peace and more happy if there's a plant within your vision. Isn't like that cr- that's crazy. Like if you just put a house plant on your desk, mm-hmm. your life will probably be better than if you didn't have a house plant on your desk at work. Like there's psychology behind yeah. that. And it's like baked in. That's like, I don't know. That That's baked into who we are. It really is. And not to say that we were all supposed to be gardeners, but like, <laughs> I mean, a little bit like back then, this was just a literal garden. That's good. Like this literal oasis yeah. in my head. Yeah. That we were just supposed to continue to cultivate. And as we grew as a population, we would have just like created more of this beautiful space and lived in it. And like, yeah. I know, I guess I haven't really played with this idea of like, what if the fall hadn't happened kind of a thing? Sure. And like what, like how, the, how would that grow out 200 years from Adam and Eve, a thousand years from Adam and Eve? Yeah. I've heard it said that the goal was to take what was 
uh, like unintentionally. Well, no, God planted the garden very intentionally, but it wasn't yet like tamed by the humans mm-hmm. in a way that God wanted the humans to partner with it. And so um, the transition that maybe God was leading them to is if we look at Genesis 2, the Garden of Eden, and then Revelation 21 and 22, the New Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and just connect those. Probably the thought is that God wanted us to make his garden into a garden city mm-hmm. where there's culture where there's art, where there's good food, where there's life and the river of life is flowing. And, and here, I guess in this whole conversation, listener, you have to be patient with us and sort out like, where is the metaphor? Where is the literal? Mm -hmm. And where is both literal and metaphor happening at the same time? Totally. And the answer is yes Um, (laughs) to all that. (laughs) It's cool to be going through this right now. And I think there is going to be this big resurgence within our church, the local church community, and I pray that the American church at large of like really changing our cities for the glory of God. And not, I'm not saying that this is like the epicenter of that, but we're going through this right now. And we meet in Garden City. I'm like, that's just like, that's just a cool detail. Whoa. That like, I maybe like, I pray that, you know, we make, you know, the name of Jesus great and like that he we humbly ask that he uses us, you know? Yeah. But I'm like, wow, how cool would it be? Like some cool movement started in garden city. That like, that's the literal city that we meet in. It's yeah. called garden city. Garden city. <laughs> Come on. I love that. Anywho. Huh. Okay. Uh, um, we'll just zoom past a few things in the Bible and come to Noah. If I can. Yeah. I, I wanted to pick out a couple different Hebrew characters, um, old Testament characters and, just point to how priesthood applies to them. So hopefully Adam and Eve, that's kind of clear. They're like communing with God in unbroken communion. And that communion naturally um, results in the the life of God spreading around the world. Mm -hmm. That's the vision. Unfortunately, that's not quite what's captured because this thing called the fall entry of sin. Um, Fast forward Noah is a character that acts like a priest um, in that there's like a saving work that's done in his work. God comes to him, gives him a task. Noah fulfills that task. And when the flood is over, um, I'll just read this bit. The, the flood is receding. Noah, it says in chapter 8, verse 20 of Genesis, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done, etc. It goes on, but this is, There's a lot going on here that we can't get into, but I'll just say briefly, right before the flood, God says, I'm going to flood the earth because the intention of man's heart is only evil all the time. Mm -hmm. The flood happens. Um, Noah, through the ark, saves creation, which is like a little floating Eden. It's like, this Mm. is where 
the garden is preserved while the rest of earth is being cleansed of the darkness and the death that humans have brought into it. And then God's hoping to replant Eden from Noah out of the ark. And so that's what happens right at first, at least. Mm -hmm. And, and you get this like altar sacrifice, even though Noah didn't know like the Levitical sacrifices that would come later. Um, and there's some kind of intercession that Noah is doing on behalf of the world and God sees it. And it says that, um, it's a pleasing aroma to God and God makes a covenant and says, I'll never curse the earth like this again. I'll never wipe away all of the life on earth again like this. Um, so I just wanted to point to that's like an interesting moment of, um, yeah, priesthood, intercession, even like salvific interaction. Salvific meaning like Noah is almost playing a part in saving creation because by sacrificing by sacrificing. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking also in, in building the ark and oh, in yeah, yeah. housing the things of creation that he did house yes. in the ark. Um, creation is saved through his act Yeah, there's, in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know there's, I think there's a line of like atonement through the like priestly hmm. history too. Like yeah. even like, like God killing an animal to clothe Adam and Eve. Oh good. Yeah. And then here like a sacrifice here. And then there was the priest in Exodus that were also giving yeah. sacrifices, which leads to Christ being the ultimate sacrifice. And then us to be modeling our lives as living sacrifices too. Wow. I, I'm not sure how, like, way to just <laughs> zip through the hole. That was perfect. I'm not sure how that, like, really makes us priests, but it's yeah. like, that's what priests do in, like, uh-huh. in the Levitical call. Totally. And I think, I feel like the breakthrough that you're just hitting right now, or the, the revelation mm-hmm. that you're sharing is exactly why I even wanted to go through the Bible story because you're tracing this thread super well mm. of, wow, how does sacrifice interact with my priestly calling? Yes. Sacri- that, thank it, you for wrapping that up. I was like, I'm yeah. like this, I, I wanted, I know these connect in a really like powerful <laughs> way, even practically today. And I'm, I can't verbal, verbalize it. It's good. Ah, that is yeah. so cool. Cause we look at like God made a sacrifice for Adam and Eve to cover their shame. Um, God, I mean, through Noah, Noah sacrificed. And because of that, there's covenant where God's never going to destroy the world in the flood again. There's sacrifice in Abraham's story a number of different times. And like physical sacrifice, the death of an animal, but also like sacrifice in that Abraham leaves his family and goes to a land that he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Um and so on and so forth. So I'm glad that you brought that in because I think sacrifice has to be uh, in some form. And we'll talk about this more soon. Yes. Like a spiritual sacrifice. Uh, that has to be a part of what it means to be a priest for us today. Or else we're missing it, I mm-hmm. think. No, that's that's a good word. Huh. That's a really good word. Wow, thanks for saying that. That was good. Um, Abraham? Abraham. Are we cool to just trudge through different biblical characters like I this? I think this is good. It's good? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Listener, if you don't like this, mm-hmm. go listen to a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, we want you to stay. Yeah, you can stay. So Abraham is, 
he's like the father of the nation that God plants another Eden project. I like using those words intentionally because the Bible connects those things through the Hebrew words and we don't always see it, but like Mm -hmm. Noah replanted Eden, but then almost immediately failed because he gets drunk and some weird things happen with his son. We don't need to go into that. Yeah. Um, Abraham is God saying, Hey Abraham, I want you to leave your father. In fact, I'm just going to read it because I have it right here. Yeah. Verse one of chapter 12 in Genesis. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your land and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Just in me saying that, do you, do you see connections to anything we've talked about so far? Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is a little abstract, but maybe not, but like even like in all, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. feels like the fill the earth and subdue it. Yes. I didn't even tell you to say that. Oh, really? That's perfect. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm like, oh, I like I was just like, oh, wow, like I see this spreading out again, like a replanting of blessing. Yeah, which is part of why the Jewish mind read the Garden of Eden story the way that they did. I wish I had a Jewish mind. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, renew our minds, Lord, to Mm -hmm. be more Jewish. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Do not conform to this Western world, but be transformed. By the, the Jewishness <laughs> of your mind. <laughs> oh my God. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, um, <clears throat> but it, no, that's for real. No, like I just, I love, mm-hmm. all I'm trying to say is I love the way that the Hebrew conveys this, like so many connections and right? lines throughout scripture that are just, they're just beautiful words in Hebrew mm. that mean so much more. That's good. Yeah. Sorry, I see that. Continue. I didn't mean to go off on that. No, that was tangent. perfect. I mean, I wanted you to. <laughs> um, so there's sacrifice. Abram is asked to leave his country, leave his father. There's some sacrifice right there, even though he doesn't even know where he's going yet. So he's walking in faith and he says, I will make you a great nation. So in my head, when I read that, I think I will plant a garden of people out of you, Abraham, Mm -hmm. and I will bless you and make your name great. I'm going to make this garden significant so that you will be a blessing. So it's not the purpose of, like the purpose of this isn't, hey, you're my favorite person, Abraham. I'm just going to bless you and kind of ignore everyone else. Yeah. Sometimes we think that the Old Testament is ethnocentric because it celebrates oh, yeah. that like Israelite perspective. And of I think there are some like ethnocentric things that you could argue happen, especially Ezra, Nehemiah and whatever, but we won't go there. Um the, this is the heartbeat of the Israelite nation. It's to be a blessing to the world, mm-hmm. to bless all of the nations of the earth. That's actually the promise that is at the bedrock of the Israelite people that then sets the stage for the rest of the Old Testament. Now, unfortunately, wow. just like Abraham and Noah and Adam and Eve, Israel ends up failing mm-hmm. in that. But that's that's the vision. I think it's cool. I feel like... I, I could be wrong, but I don't think the people of Israel were a blessing to the world until Christ came. 
I don't know if that's even true, but like, and I think they had like an effect on Egypt and I don't really know a lot of my old Testament history, but I see that like once the gospel happens, it like starts to spread through the known wor- world fairly quickly. Wow. And like, is finally like people are like joining in this blessing yeah. that like Christ has, or God has wanted for all these people all along. That's good. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I think, I might just say, and I don't have a, a lot to say here because I don't know as much as I wish I did, but there are pieces in the Old Testament that are trying to show you that they are succeeding in being a blessing to the world. Oh, good. Um, Solomon is probably the loudest example of that when he's leading in wisdom and in peace and there's all of these other kings and queens that are like lavishing blessing on him and in return they're receiving blessing. There's like gold being exchanged Mm -hmm. and wisdom being exchanged. Um, and not to like over emphasize this point, but Solomon is another example of Eden, Hmm. um, where he chooses the correct tree instead of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He chooses wisdom, Hmm. which is the right fruit. Yeah. And as a result, the garden of Eden is planted in Israel through him. But what he missed was that he didn't choose the right tree day after day. He -hmm. missed the like daily part of this. And as a result, started marrying all of these people. And he had, what, 700 wives and all Mm -hmm. this wealth. And then he got, you know, egotistical, proud or whatever. And then his his kingdom crumbled. But before it fell apart, the Bible wants to point to it and show you, hey, like there's actually Garden of Eden spreading around the world stuff happening. And there are different moments where it seems like God's people are blessing the people around them. But it's amazing. Like mm-hmm. we talk about humility a lot now, but mm. it's like, it is the key to like staying mm. submitted to the Lord. Well, like, and I feel like we look through biblical history and it's like time and time again, even David, you know, yeah, like who's such a man for God's own heart, totally messes it up. And his offspring are not, that great yeah correct and yeah. like um and it's just I mean, like they try to kill him multiple yeah, of his sons totally try to kill him. yeah it happens to me all the time um <laughs> no but like it's just that's the key now and like we've seen so many modern day church movements that have like started so good and then get to this point where humility is forgotten and then things start to crumble yeah and it's like god may we not be a people that do that wow. may we stay humble and just like, may we instill that in our children and their children's children. Wow. Like I just, man, it just seems like I've, I've just seen that recently in my life with different um, groups of people or different organizations. And it's just like, man, can we just stay humble, yes. please? <laughs> and submitted. Cause that's it's just, so good. it's just, that's where the impact is hmm. when we're submitted to him. That's so good. Cause I think, praise God. I think a lot of people lose their impact once they're, not as submitted to him. Wow. I think um, I have this image of like, maybe it's a plane taking off. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out how to represent what I want to say, but like God's project of priesthood is like a plane taking off. And then picture maybe like the pilot and the co-pilot start to fight Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the cockpit. And as a result, the plane takes a nosedive and crashes. Totally. And, the Old Testament is a history of that story mm-hmm. flushed out in different ways. Uh, planes taking off. Oh, this is going to be such a great journey. 
oh, something happened, folly, yeah. uh, jealousy, pride, plane crashes. Mm-hmm. God is so faithful. Every plane crash, he figures out a way to come and rescue the remnant from the plane crash and start up a new plane launch. Wow. And that's that's the story of the Old Testament. The story of humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like you're pulling out how that's the story of churches yeah, so totally. often. Yeah. And Jesus is the high priest that launches the plane and never crashes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he's the one that gets radically tempted in multiple ways throughout his whole life. And every time he resists the temptation, mm-hmm. like when he's fasting in the wilderness he resists every temptation of the enemy. Nope, nope. That's just him denying the moments when other people might have crashed their plane. Yeah. He says, no, I'm going to keep ascending. I'm flying past that totally. because I'm the perfect high priest. And I'm going to do the thing that no other human could do up to this point. Wow. wow. That's amazing. I don't know if that analogy helped. But totally. I like it. It's almost like uh, there's a threshold in the sky that no one's gotten higher than. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is the first one to like break through the clouds. Mm -hmm. And now in Jesus, we're invited to like live in that kind of priesthood. Mm, That's so good. Huh? I love that. Oh, that was fun. Mm -hmm. I think that's applicable to our lives. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And we could talk about Moses too. And now we're kind of going back and forth, but. Oh, we're kind of going from. I mean, it's good. I think we, I think, I think we keep going. Moses is important. Okay. I, <laughs> Moses is super important. That's the uh, title of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moses is important. Um, he is definitely an incredible example of a priest in the old Testament. It says at the end of Deuteronomy, I think that no man to this day has ever arisen that was as great as Moses or mm-hmm. that walked with God that, face that to face. Knew the face. Yeah. Face to face. I love yeah, that. Is that what it says? Mm-hmm. That's so good. Which is like, he, like he did a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah. Not like, I think the problem with him, he just didn't get to the destination in the plane. That yeah. He was hoping to. Totally. He, he had his own failure, Yeah, but his failings were way less than most of the other failings. Totally. Uh, you know, like ultimately I, he struck a rock out of pride, disobeyed God's specific word, and then ended up not being able to go into the promised land. And that would have been really hard. Yeah. <laughs> so there it's is like, a fall it's moment like he, for him. He struck the fuel tank and ran out of gas before <laughs> he could get there. Dang. Well, that's a good way to bridge it to the metaphor. <laughs> Here's Thank the, I was like, I've had a lot of those where I'm like, I can't just metaphor this whole thing up the whole time. <laughs> but anyway, Moses, he's great. <laughs> Moses starts out humble. Honestly, he's like not even capable to speak very well. And God, and that's the one that God wants to use mm. to speak. Um, starts with a very humble heart. Yeah. And anyway, uh, we could say a lot about Moses. He communes with the Lord. He goes up on Mount Sinai when all of the rest of Israel was too afraid of God's presence to do it. And they say, Moses, we want you to speak to us. We don't want God to speak directly to us. We want you to speak to us. So there's a lot that we could say there, but um, just point out that Moses is the one that has stepped into this intercession, intercession role or mediator role between God and God's people. Um, there's holy communion happening between Moses and God. 
And then as a result, Moses comes down from the mountain. His face is shining. He has revelation from God in the law. And then when people mess up um, and he corrects them, he also goes up on the mountain and intercedes on their behalf so that they would be saved from God's wrath. Hmm. And God relents because God listens to the plea and intercession of Moses. There's a lot that's happening here. That's so good. Um, Exodus is rich with priesthood. And I think we can see, yeah. Was Moses the first high priest? Oh, great you, question. Because with through Moses, the Lord lays out the law, which establishes, mm-hmm. establishes the tabernacle and all of its logistics. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure, like, who was the first, who was the first one with the weird apron? <laughs> yeah, the ephod. The ephod. Yeah. A- Aaron. It was Aaron. Uh-huh. Okay. So, uh, this is another rabbit trail that we could go down someday. Mm-hmm. I would like to know more about it myself. But up to this point, the person in charge um, of the governance and the high priest were the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, up until up until Moses. Okay. And Moses is too timid to do everything on his own. He says I can't speak to the people. And God gets really angry with him in Exodus chapter 3. If you remember this, um God's like calling him, "Hey, go and let my people go." And yeah. Moses comes five times back to God and says, uh, I think you picked the wrong guy. Like, I can't actually talk very well. Or, well, what am I going to say to these people? Like, how are they going to know that I'm coming in your name? He comes with five different, uh, maybe mm. not, God. And the last one is, I can't speak very well. I'm just, you know what? No, I'm just not going to do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And God gets angry with him. It's the first time in the whole Bible that God is described as angry. Wow. Um, slow to anger, but you know, mm-hmm. Moses tested his patience right there. Totally. And um, God concedes, this is a, a debate actually in the Bible, but um, I would agree with the view that God concedes and then sends Aaron to be a priest. So instead of Moses kind of playing both roles, he brings Moses's brother Aaron into the picture. Mm-hmm. And not that that's all a bad thing, but Aaron definitely fails more than Moses does in the story of the Torah. Um, And so there is this question that I think is sometimes left lingering. Like what if Moses had done it himself instead of Aaron having to come into the picture just because Aaron was a better speaker than him. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, that's, that's sorry. That's a bit of a rabbit trail. I got excited. I shouldn't have even gone there. The Lord's so faithful. He's like, I'm going to pick Moses. And Moses is like, nah, like (laughs) God's like, man, this free will thing is rough. You know, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but he's like, but he just like sticks with him. Like, no, I really thought it was going to be Moses. Yeah. And Moses is like, okay, I'll do it. You know? Yes. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just, I love that. He just like, no, I'll go use someone else. <laughs> Cause like that makes, that gives me some faith that like, I'm not going to get left behind by God through my mistakes. <laughs> oh, that's uh, good. Sometimes I feel that way. Oh, but I know that what he's called me to do. Oh, that's good. I'm supposed to do. So I don't know if anyone else needed that encouragement, but wow. I did. Oh, he's so faithful. He is. Okay. Um, okay. So to answer your question, yes, the priesthood in the Old Testament, like the Levitical law, stems from Aaron's descendants okay. from that point forward. So he's the first high priest. Okay. And then his son Eliezer, and then Phineas, and so on um, through that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So those are some biblical examples. I think we could go on. David would be a fun one to talk about. Mm-hmm. I didn't set him apart in our notes, but he is a unique example where the line of the priest slash prophet and king come back together just mm-hmm. for a minute. Um, if you remember in the scene where David is really famously dancing around the Ark of the Covenant as it's coming into the holy city, um, he's wearing the ephod. He's mm-hmm. wearing that like priestly garment. Um, so even though he's a king, he's also celebrating the Lord's presence like a priest. Um, David is one of very few characters in the Bible that does that throughout the rest of, or most of the rest of the history of Israel. There's a divide between the kings and the prophets, mm-hmm. between the kings and the priests. Um, and that divide, I don't think is something that is necessarily what is supposed to have happened, especially when we consider who Jesus was and is the ultimate king Mm -hmm. and the ultimate high priest. Wow. And then inviting us into his own identity to be kings and queens and priests within our own contexts. So good. Did I just, was that a leap? No. Are you following me? No, I, I, I followed that. All right, cool. Well, I, but I also do have the notes in front of me. But I would still say <laughs> that I think the listeners follow it too. <laughs> this is from First Peter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men... But in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's excellent. As you come to him is how it starts. So there's that communion. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of the unbroken communion that we're called to, that like Adam and Eve had in the garden, that Moses had on the top of Mount Sinai, Mm -hmm. that David had in his tent in his tabernacle, like he longed to behold the beauty of the Lord in the tabernacle, right? Psalm mm-hmm. 27. Yeah. As you come to him, and then it's like living stones, you are being built up as a spiritual house. Can you mention, can you talk about living stone real fast? Because that's not an analogy that I use very often. Yeah. Have you never seen a rock that was alive? No, no. <laughs> like Just a, Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> wow, that was great. You're so fast. <laughs> I had a picture of a rock with moss growing on it, but that's not nearly as fun. If you put some googly eyes on that, it's going to be pretty <laughs> cute, though. <laughs> okay, so living stones. Basically, what what Peter is saying here is um, stone is the building block of God's house. You're alive because you're a human. Mm-hmm. You're breathing. What you are, then, is a building block of God's house in flesh. Like, God is going to live in you. So good. In you individually, but also in you collectively, in y'all, if I can be Southern for a second. Yeah, totally. Because we don't really have that same term Mm -hmm. in our part of the country. (laughs) Um, Like, God is going to live in you individually and in y'all corporately. (laughs) That feels so weird. I'm not from Texas. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I get in you all. You see what I mean? All of us. In you all. Um, And that's what the temple is. That's God's, so good. God's presence lives in us. I think there's something 
this thread of communion and sacrifice in the priesthood. And one thing, as we kind of talk about some practical ways that we like are to be priests within our lives, I think the one of the key takeaways is it takes sacrifice. It takes a giving up and submitting and a humility um, to really become like Jesus. Mm. And I was thinking, even it starts with, as you come to him, I would say like coming to Jesus and like mm-hmm. finding Jesus following like that initial follow of Jesus is like an easy task mm. and not that becoming like Jesus is a heavy burden, but it takes sacrifice. And mm. I think pretty black and white, like it's going to take a lot of sacrifice and we don't necessarily talk about that. But like when we're in communion with Christ, first part, it makes the sacrifice almost a no brainer and like an easy yoke. Whoa. You know, but like within our world, it does take a bit of this like turning upside down. It's like, oh, wow, Jesus is this really cool guy. Oh, he calls me to what? Like that's, that's different than what I'm taught. But then it just takes a reframing to, you know, be viewed as like, wow, this is a, why would I, how could I not do this for God? How could I not live this way for God or do this or, or become a fool for Christ? Hmm. Like that's, it's an easy yoke. Wow. Um, yeah, I think that's that might I just see this even in here because it's like talking about this offer spiritual sacrifices. And I look back at Mo or Noah where he like he sacrificed some of every wow animal, some yeah. of every bird. And it's like it's not just our Sundays that we are to give up. It's our families that are we are to give up and our workplace and our, and our uh, fear of man when we're out in public and our view of certain uh, people groups. And Whoa. it's like, we are to give up all yeah. of this for God and sacrifice it all and lay it all at his feet so that we can become the most like Christ. Wow. That was beautiful. I, we should preach on that next <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> I just like this, the, I just kind of saw this line through from Noah. I'm like, Oh, there's, it's a lot. Like it's, we have to, some of everything we have to yeah. give to him. I mean, I think that means everything. Yeah. And, and I, I like that. I'm thinking about how Jesus tells us that in giving, we actually receive, um, like when you give your life away, you, that's when you get your life. Mm -hmm. And we, it says in the Bible that Christ, knowing Christ is life is eternal life. Amen. So it's like our gift is him. But man, isn't that hard to believe when your priorities are different and you're not actually captivated with God? Oh, for sure. And which is you know, part of what I think we're trying to do as a church is like foster that captivation Mm -hmm. or just celebrate and live in that captivation that already exists. Um, because that's, that's the stuff that seems to orient everything. That's so good. That's, that's the big point that we need to not forget that if we, if we call our church, call our people to this life of sacrifice or this church, out in the wild, you know, becoming a garden city, doing all these things like that's going to be work and a heavy burden and Mm -hmm. feel impossible Mm -hmm. without being captivated by Christ first Mm -hmm. and foremost. Wow. Thank you for pulling that out. I might preach on that next week. Yeah, you definitely should. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. So what does priesthood entail? I think living in unbroken communion with him. One thing that I would like to do 
And it's just occurring to me now that this conversation should probably be two parts. Okay. If that's okay with you. Um, And if it's okay with you listening. But I would like to just think about, okay, what, what does the priesthood entail? Um, Oh, this is where I want to go. Excuse me. The horizontal versus vertical language. Oh yeah. I would kind of like to pull that apart a teeny bit if we Mm -hmm. can. Um, Because right there at the beginning of, Verse four in first Peter chapter two, it says, as you come to him, uh, notice that you're becoming a habitation of God instead of visiting a habitation and then leaving God's presence into Mm -hmm. the world. So I have often liked to use the words vertical to describe my time with the Lord, worship, prayer, when I'm receiving from God, when I'm plugged in to God and then horizontal when I'm connected to the world or fellowshipping with other believers or mm-hmm. whatever, um, that our faith needs to be both vertical and horizontal, which is true. The thing is that it needs to be both vertical and horizontal all the time. Yeah, exactly. Like there are those vertical and horizontal aspects, but I mean, just reading about what it entails to be a priest is so much more holistic and I don't want to use the words vertical and horizontal and diminish one or the other. That's good. And so I think I, I have used that language before, but I like this idea of like, we are, we're not, we're not accessing the habitation of Christ or the presence of God in the temple and then leaving the presence and then trying to like survive on our presence battery pack throughout the week (laughs) until it runs out on Thursday. And then you're just hangry the rest of the time until you get back to the present temple. So it's like, I, we, we're, that's, we're communing with God and then we are made just like in the garden to always be communing with him. That's good. Like that's how we are initially designed. Yes. And amen. And we know that the Holy spirit dwells within us. And if we are living stones of the presence of God and his dwelling place, well, we, we are then his dwelling place, you mm. know? Like even a, even a, a brick is not a church, but a brick is a church, <laughs> you know, yeah. like at the same time, it's like, it's part of the church. You pull that brick out and it's like, oh, this is part of the church. You know, like, this is part of the dwelling place. Yeah, I'm part good. of the dwelling place. You're part of the dwelling place. Yes. Carolyn, you're part of the dwelling place. We love you, Carolyn. Yes. Definitely part of the dwelling place. Mm-hmm. Unbroken communion. I'm so fired up about that. It's not like, um, it's not like you walk up to the temple in Jerusalem I mean, it doesn't exist anymore, but when it was there, you don't walk up and pull the stones away and then like use the stone for something else. Totally. It is, it is a temple stone Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's, that's who we are. Yeah. All always. That's, that's how we should live. I'm just thinking Jesus's metaphor for this is to abide, Mm -hmm. abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. Totally. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Zero percent. John. 15 in case you want to read that and you should i should um i like that because it's like uh, the abiding language is helpful in that a a branch can't live apart from its vine that is connected Mm -hmm. to and unplugging and replugging into a vine isn't something that branches do yeah you know i've tried to tape a tree back together and it just doesn't work (laughs) as well as you hope it would that's good but i love what Mm-hmm. Like a few weeks ago um, with Jordan Zodeman, it's like his pre like 
we're abide like are we're abiding in like mm-hmm. the breath and life that is in with inside of us. Wow, you know, yeah. It's like when we realize that. Okay, let me get the language right, please. When we, when we uh, hear the good news of Christ and believe in it with faith, the Holy Spirit comes and abides and dwells inside of us. Like the one that's incredible, but we often forget that or lose sight of that. And I think where this, it almost sounds like some modern day, like mindfulness, but like, let's be mindful of the presence inside of us and always like commune with God, you know? Yes. I mean, I think I've been in, I've been in a room with someone and not communed with them. Wow. Like yeah, you, you had like it communion takes intentionality mm. too. whether it's letting them speak or you talking or you, or you're, you're eating or you're doing something together, but a, a two people sitting in the same room does not automatically equal communion. That's good. No, absolutely. There has to be some kind of intentionality. And I feel like basically every Christian I've ever heard of hasn't done this perfectly. Uh, I don't I mean, do no it perfectly. One has. I mean, except Jesus. Yes. Um, but I'm reminded of Brother Lawrence, who mm. wrote the book Practicing the Presence of God, um, that he like really tried to do that conscious communion with the Lord always. Mm-hmm. And he said that he got to the point where he did it for what years, decades mm-hmm. even. Um, so not that that should be a journey of striving. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you won't be able to do it. Like, right. and like, it's going, it's too hard without that communion. That's good. If you're just doing it to say that you're doing it or to make yourself feel better about yourself mm-hmm. or you want to, yeah, all the, all the practical ways that we try to like bring heaven to earth. If you're not mm-hmm. doing that without the presence of God or that communion or that connection, it, it will feel like a heavy burden. That's good. And I think that's why I wanted to bring in that horizontal versus vertical language Mm -hmm. because it implies that when I turn horizontal, I have left the vertical. Mm -hmm. But the good thing about it is, no, no, actually what we're called to is to always live in the vertical Mm -hmm. and also to always live in the horizontal. Exactly. Um, I mean, even if we're like in our room, in our secret place by ourselves praying, there's something horizontal about that, which is your heart could be open in fellowship to those around you. And that is impacting the way that you're praying, Mm -hmm. you know, even right there in the spirit, you could be communing with somebody else because you're praying for them. Wow. That's really good. So I don't don't think, uh, I'm glad that you brought this to my attention earlier, Chase. I don't think that the horizontal and the vertical should ever be separate from one another. Mm -mm. And that's just a helpful language. I think it's a holistic way of practicing God's presence and practicing the priesthood, what it means to be the angled mirror, always both vertical and horizontal, hmm. uh, which I think since we've had this conversation now, we've laid some framework for uh, what priesthood. Biblical. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Biblical priesthood. Didn't interrupt you. <laughs> no, you're perfect. <laughs> it was like, Existing in constant communion with him, living stones, we are the habitation of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And in that, as it says in First Peter 2, we are a holy priesthood, or as we say often, like a priesthood of all believers. Mm-hmm. There's no bar to this. It's not like you have to be an ordained pastor or go to seminary or, I mean, 
even to have been Christian for a certain amount of time. Like yeah. you could give your life to Christ right now. Oh, welcome to the priesthood. Yeah. You are here. Mm-hmm. Um, and what a good thing, you know, yes. the barriers to entry are just, <laughs> you know, that you would pick up your cross. <laughs> I was going to say really easy, but maybe that's not a super low barrier yeah. to entry. And yet at the same time, it's the easiest decision yeah, to ever make because of the good news, the mm-hmm. truth that is, is Christ and his sacrifice for us. Like that's what makes it easy. That's wow. what makes that br- brings it all powerful. Yes. Yes. And amen. Well, we should probably wrap it up there. I'm feeling satisfied. This, I, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't planning on this being a two parter, but I think it's good that we go biblical today and practical tomorrow. I think so. And if the listener disagrees, then sorry. Yeah. But we've already made, you weren't here. <laughs> you weren't here to make the decision with us. <laughs> and uh, there's probably not a, that big of a differentiation between biblical and practical. It's not no, like totally. one time where like, I feel like this was, we touched on a lot of practical things too. Yeah. You know, and, and next week we'll also still be biblically grounded. Yeah. Fully transparent. I mm-hmm. have a lot of Bible verses to read for next week and the practical <laughs> bit as well, but we'll get there next week. We love the Bible. In the meantime, man, isn't it grounding? Thank mm-hmm. you Lord for your Holy scripture. In the so meantime, good. uh, thank you for listening to the deep waters podcast. Yeah. We're glad that you visited. Mm-hmm. We're glad that we got to hang out with you. So glad. We pray that, you would feel blessed with God's constant communion today and that as you go wherever you're going today, that you would, um, you would see how his communion is pouring out of you Mm -hmm. on the world around you so that the Eden inside your heart is filling the earth everywhere you go. That is beautiful. I also want to say that you were made in the image of God. Yes. That there is God's fingerprints all over you and you are worth it all. Like God died for you. And I just hope that you know that you're loved Mm -hmm. and seen and you are part of the image of God and a crucial part of that. So we need you. Please, uh, please join us for church. (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, on uh on uh what day is it sunday <laughs> sundays at 4 p.m at the vineyard boise we'd love to see you there mm-hmm. and if you want to reach out to benjamin or i at deepwaters at riverhouseministries.com we'd love to hear from you mm-hmm. anywho be, be blessed. blessed whoa we didn't plan that <laughs> that was cool bye bye